Mark chapter number 10, and we're going to be looking here at blind Bartimaeus in verse 46, and the goal tonight is to finish the chapter. Woohoo! So let's just read 46 to 52, and then we're just going to kind of meander down through and talk about the different issues here. Uh, 1046, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Tomas, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, again, here we are at the end of the chapter, and what does the Lord say? Verse 51, What will thou that I should do unto thee? Now, we've already, if you come back up to verse 36... The Lord asked James and John, what would ye that I should do for you? So that he has asked this question. Now, now, blind Bartimaeus, he says, all I want is my sight. James and John, what they do is they come to the Lord with that selfish ambition, and uh, they're trying to get something out of it. So James and John had the wrong answer. Bartimaeus has the right answer. And it's the real answer here. And again, that's probably why it sits, the story sits in Mark where it sits. As he's going, he's determined. He set his face like Flint, verse 32, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. They see his determination to go to Jerusalem. What's he going to do? He's going to be rejected. He's going to die. He's going to rise again the third day. So as he goes, Mark puts this right in here. The, on his way to Jerusalem, what does he do? He goes to Jericho. He stops at Jericho. And he's going to uh, come in and he's going to deal with these guys with blind Bartimaeus, but also with James and John and with Peter. Peter, James, and John, they answer wrong. They're trying to get something. Bartimaeus says, I'm here, and all I want is my sight. Again, the Lord is on his way to well, Hebrews 12, 2. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops here at Jericho. And what the stop does... And what's going to be pictured here is there's a picture of victory here that, uh, that's going to be had. He started his earthly ministry. 
he quotes Isaiah 61, and he says, I have, I, I've been sent here to open the blind, the eyes of them that believe. And he says, hey, Isaiah 35, when the Messiah comes, when your God comes, what's he going to do? He's going to open the eyes of the blind. So one of the victories that has that's connected to him, the bringing in of the kingdom, is the blind are going to have their eyes open. They're going to see. So when, you, when we get into this, we're just going to kind of bounce around down through here talking about different things. And they came to Jericho. Now, Jericho in Israel's history is not a good place to be. Again, you think about Joshua and Joshua 6. It's a place of the curse. Why? Well, because of that Babylonian garment, because of, the, of Baal being introduced into Israel, it gets cursed. What does he do? He tears it down. God curses it, says you can't rebuild it. Well, what did Ahab do in 1 Kings? He rebuilt it, and it's been cursed, and so forth. So going down to Jericho, geography-wise, it's literally going down the hill. Jericho sits a little north of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem's elevated, so it's down. But also spiritually, it's going down. It's in the wrong direction. So as Christ goes into the city, he's going into the city of the cursed. But yet, what is he doing? He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to die a cursed death. So there's a connection here. He's going there, and Bartimaeus is going to call him out, but he's going to call him out as the son of David, not Jesus of Nazareth. That's what everybody's been knowing, known him by. Now he's going to be, he's called the son of David. And that's significant here because in the nation of Israel, and, and really Barnabas is, is a picture of not just Israel, but really that believing remnant. What do they need? They need their sight. And what the witness here now is going to be is to the mercies that the son of David will bring to the nation of Israel that's under the curse of captivity, thus Jericho. So it's a fascinating thing here. I mean, you think about Jericho, you ought to think about Rahab, that Gentile. She looks at those two witnesses and says, 40 years ago, we heard about you. What's taking you so long? <laughs> We thought you'd have been here by now. You, now you're here. So I'm going to claim the Abrahamic covenant, and I'm going to take care of you. And we know you're going to come. We know you're wiping us out. We're here for you. And again, 40 years, you know, you know that that's what she said. What took you so long? <laughs> We've been waiting for you. So again, Jericho represents the curse that the Baal worship had brought upon the nation. So here's the nation in Baal worship, that vain religious system. And they're held captivity. So he goes into the place of the curse, if you will. And he finds Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And verse 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man. So evidently, in Jericho, Bartimaeus is well known. He's not a, just an insignificant guy on the side. He's blind physically. So Israel is blinded physically, but also there's that issue of being blinded spiritually. So when you think about, there used to be a, general, a guy on, in Mesa, 
And he, I don't remember his name. I was trying to remember his name this afternoon. He would ride his bike up and down Main Street, downtown Maine, and he would quote scripture. And they, called, they had a name for him. Well, it, what, he died. So everybody, but everybody knew who he was. Now, this is before light rail and everything blew up down there. It was actually a time when you could go downtown, and it was actually a little downtown area. And, but everybody knew him. He was a homeless guy. He rode a bike and all this stuff. And that's kind of Bartimaeus. They know who he is. So if you look there at verse 46, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timos, Tim Timothy. Okay, you see Tim in there. That's Timotheus. That's the idea. Now, what Timos means is an honor, honored one or a prized one. So here's the son of one who is honored or prized in the community. He's not just a, a guy sitting over in the corner. He's, someone, he, he's a, the son of someone significant. And he's a picture of Israel of what they need to do. What is their condition? They are blind, physically, spiritually. They're blind spiritually, which leads to the physical blindness. So what do they need? They need, the, they need their sight. If you just look over with me to Matthew 4, so we catch a verse on all of this. Matthew 4, verse 16. Matthew 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed in Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by uh, Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And that's exactly what's happening. That's what's transpiring, earthly ministry of Christ. But here in a, a honed-in issue with... Bartimaeus, he's a, so they're blinded, spiritually blinded, which leads to the physical blindness. But then if you go back to Mark 10, notice he, he's set by, into verse 46, Mark, 50, Mark 10, 46, set by the highway side begging. He's also a beggar. And Hosea 10 says that Israel is an empty vine. There's nothing of value there. He, he, this guy, here's a guy, he's pictured of where they are at. They're blind and they're begging. They have nothing. When they ought to be, ha they have everything. And here they are begging. They've got the Messiah in their midst. They've got this opportunity to have all of this happen, and yet here they are begging. Actually, if you look there at verse uh, 50, and he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. I mean, he just left everything and went when he was called. So what we, are, what we have here is the condition in Israel and the condition within the little flock. What do they need? Well, they need here Jesus Christ comes back, and what do they need? They need to cry out. 
thou son of David, that messianic title that deals with those sure mercies of David. And that is, that's have mercy. Come and do something for me. Don't give me something to do. I can't do it. I need you to do for me. And that's really the issue here and of all of this, okay? So when we kind of dig into this a little bit, we'll see some of that. They come to Jericho, and then he goes, look at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. Now, what happens is, is by the way, this event is, held, is, is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and, excuse me, and Luke. So get Matthew 20 in one hand, Mark 10 in the other hand, and Luke 18 in the other hand. Okay, so Matthew 20 and Luke 18 with Mark uh, 10. Because there's some things here that happen in the account that causes everybody to go, oh, see, look, you got a mistake in your Bible. And it's really, uh, com that argument comes from a lack of understanding of what is transpiring. Mark 10, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho. By, by the way, you've got blind Bartimaeus. You've got one man in Mark. You get one man in Luke, too. But in Matthew, you have two guys. Okay? So see, we got a problem. We got Matthew has two guys, Mark has one, Luke has one. So there's a problem now. We have a discrepancy in Scripture, and really, that's not the case at all. Remember, we've already looked, saw this in Mark, Mark 5, uh, that maniac. There's only one, but yet Matthew has two, peop two guys there. And again, you have to remember, silence is not a contradiction. The room is full of people, and yet I discuss this right here with Bruce. Doesn't mean there wasn't this. It just means my focus is here. So you always have to remember, silence is not a contradiction. And if there are two, and I only talk to one, then we're, we're okay. It's because the focus of each is what is the issue. Matthew depicting the Lord as the king, but it's a dispensational book. Matthew, the king, he's looking at both houses of Israel, Israel and Judah, the two houses. So how many does he have? Two. What's Israel's problem? They are blind. Both houses are blind. Okay? Luke, there's only one. Why? Because as the Son of Man, they're, they're the, common, the common problem that both houses have is that sin, the curse, what, Jer what uh, Jericho represents, and what's he going to do as the Son of Man? He's going to suffer, and he's going to go do. Mark, only one, is, is, is portrayed. Why? Because as a servant, what is he doing? He's serving both houses, but he's doing it in a one. So, Matthew, again, if you think about how they are depicted in the portraits, the, th the king thinks about the whole of it, the whole kingdom. That's both houses. The servant, the man, only one. 
is only right here. So Matthew 20, Matthew 20, and look at verse 29, 20, 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed after him. So now we have something here that's, uh uh-oh, now what do we do? So not only do we have the two verses one, but now what do we have? It's very clear as they were what? Departing Jericho, okay? Now come over to Luke 18. Luke 18, 35. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man man sat by the wayside begging. So now it's what? Come nigh unto, so we're coming to Jericho in Luke 18, and in Matthew, what are we doing? We're leaving. But what does Mark 10 say? And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, Mark puts them both together. (laughs) Matthew says he's leaving. Luke says he's coming, and Mark just conflates them together. So then everybody goes, well, why did he do that? I don't know why he did it. He just, the Holy Spirit wrote it that way. Now, what is some of the ideas are, and they go into Josephus, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't think you ought to use history to interpret your Bible. Uh, if you do it that way, then your Bible becomes insufficient. Okay, it's just like using a dictionary to determine the definition of all the words. Because not everybody has a dictionary. Not everybody has Josephus. I have two copies. If you want a copy, I can, you know, actually you can just get online nowadays. But not everybody has that. The sufficiency, you don't need history to understand your Bible. Okay? Now, you can do the archaeology thing, but what is that? History is what? Confirming your Bible. Because your Bible is right, period. And and that's really, so... (laughs) You can acknowledge that your Bible is true, but your Bible has always been true. History's just catching up. So what Josephus says is that there was two Jerichos, okay? Again, Ahab in 1 Kings 16, what did he do? He built Jericho back. So you have a Jewish Jericho that was later destroyed, but then Herod, the Herods, built it back so you have a Jewish wing and a Gentile wing. So you have him moving between the two Jerichos. So you got this. Now, I don't get, I don't understand that. I don't believe that because I can leave my city of Mesa, cross the freeway south of my house, and enter into Gilbert. And if it wasn't for a sign that says, Welcome to Gilbert, you'd never know it. And I can go down Gilbert, and then I can enter into Santan area, which is not a city. It's just an area on the map. But Queen Creek is the city, and you don't know it unless you get a little sign that says, Welcome to, or you notice the street signs change, and you go, well, you know, we used to do that when I worked at Chandler driving school bus. We were, we were you know, you, you leave Chandler, and the signs are a certain way, and you get into Gilbert, and they're a certain way. So you can know by the signs that you're in somewhere else. You get into Mesa. But so that just doesn't, that's not what's happening, okay? Because there's something more, something deeper 
that's going on here. And again, you have to think about how Matthew and, and Luke are looking at this. Again, Matthew, he's the king. He looks at that curse, that cursed city. He's leaving the cursed city because he has won the victory over the curse. Okay? Matthew has him departing. The king sees it as, I have victory here. Luke, what's the son of man doing? He's going into the curse city. He sees him entering into the curse as the son of man. Well, where's he going? To the cross, the cursed death. So there's something going on here a little deeper than just Josephus and history. And I'll be honest with you, you've got to be careful on using external things to, to define Scripture. It, it just I don't care who you are or what you say or what you do. You can do whatever you want. You can deal with the Lord when he, when he deals with you. Um, at the judgment seat, but you just can't willy-nilly say it's this because of the Oxford English Dictionary. Well, unless you're aware of the Oxford English Dictionary even existing, then that makes your Bible insufficient no matter what you say. So, no, I'm going to use my Bible, built-in dictionary, figure it out, and if I need help, I can consult other things, obviously. So when you think about here, the reason that they are different isn't a contradiction, but rather it's to make you say, wait a minute, what's going on here? It makes you think about the significance of what's happening. Matthew, king, here he is, victorious. He's done told them three times, I'm going to go die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be rejected. I, he's already rejected. I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised again the third day. Victory. We're going to, to the cross. But what are we going to do at the cross, Luke? We're going to suffer. And he's going to be the suffering son of man. Matthew, victorious, son of David. Luke, Suffering, son of man. Mark, he's the son who serves. Nobody cares what he's doing. So he got an inner, you know, he got a conflated of it. And again, you have to look beyond. You got to think about why the Holy Spirit would do it this way. Why would he take Mark? Why does Mark take Luke and Matthew and put them together? And again, he's driving our attention to the fact that there's something going on here with Bartimaeus that we need to pay close attention to. It isn't whether the Lord's coming in or going out. Obviously, when he comes to Jericho, he comes in, and then he's leaving to go back to, to Jerusalem, or to go on to Jerusalem. That's not the issue. The issue is, is he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops. And he, he, he's going to deal with something here. And the, the, he's dealing with the blind man. Again, that picture of that believing remnant, that little flock in Israel. Here's the son of the honored one, the prized one. He's the picture of, what that, of that blind condition. He's 
begging. He, he, there's, he, he's got needs, and yet he's destitute. He's begging. And again, there's nothing in himself. He gets up and leaves the garment. Cast the verse, um, I'm, go back there to, well, we should be in Mark 10, <laughs> if I didn't tell you that. Verse 50, cast away his garment. So he literally has nothing, and yet he's, it, you know, it's hard to leave nothing, but he does. He doesn't, he's, he's, not, he's not begging for more. He's in need. He just left all of his resources. So what, what does he ask for? Just my sight. And again, that picture of the beggar, the picture of being blind. And in all of that, what does he do? He believes. So here's Israel blinded spiritually in a destitute condition. By the way, what... What do they need to do? Believe. That's what they need to do. Verse 47. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What do they need to do? They need to believe. They need to cry out to the son of David. The multitudes, they, they know him as Jesus of Nazareth, yet Bartimaeus understood that he was really who? The son of David, that messianic title. The one who was to come and provide the blessings of the Davidic covenant. The one who's to come and to be their redeemer, their avenger, their deliverer, their blesser, and their king. He, he knew that he was the one who had the power, the authority, and the will to have mercy. And that's what Israel needed. They needed the sure mercies of David. I mean, you think about that. David with Bathsheba, adultery, murder. Under the law, there is no sacrifice available to clear the charge. Psalms 51, David, he says what? I'm guilty. I'm the man. I did it. But yet, what? God forgives him. And David says, I don't know how you do it. Now, these are my words, okay? But I know that what God is looking for is a contrite heart and a broken spirit, and I got it. Now, we know today, from through the Paul's revelation, Romans 3.25, the forbearance of God in the times past, okay? But David didn't understand what it is and what did he do? He cast himself on the mercies of God. Mercy. You don't get what you deserve. Now, grace is you get what you don't deserve. <laughs> okay? So, mercy. And Bartimaeus, that's what he's doing here. And again, you have to remember where we're at. What does he know? He knows he's the son of David. He knows he's the redeemer, the deliverer, the avenger, the blesser, the king, those five off, five job titles that he's going to do. And he says, I'm right here. I believe you. Have mercy on me. 
Notice, have mercy on me. That individual, that personal cry. Not Israel, not them, not they, not ye, me. That personal cry of my need. And what is he? He's blind and he's beggarly. He's, he's poor. He's out destitute. Now, watch verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Now, isn't that just like the religious crowd? They try to shut him up. They try to silence him. You know, it's hopeless. He's a busy man. He'll get to you when he can. You're too far gone. There's no hope for you. Just be quiet. He's busy. Always there to try to silence him. Yet what did he do? He cried even the more. But he cried the more, a great deal. He's like, you ain't, he got, where's my megaphone? You know, he's even getting even, now he's blind. He just, here's, you know, when, my greatest fear is losing my sight. I think it is for anybody who reads and who, you know, is in that. But when I, I was driving special needs, I had a bus route one time filling in, and it was blind children, and we would take them from the school to the Arizona School of the Blind and Deaf and Blind and stuff downtown. Or Actually, they were down over here. They were meeting. Anyway, uh, not in Tempe, like in the Ahwatukee area. Anyway, well, they get on the bus. Well, they can't see anything, but they can do what? Here. And I was talking to the monitor who was working, who works with them all the time, and she made the comment that, the blind rely on their hearing the most. And if they had a sense that they, obviously, if they could be, they could see, they would see. But it's the hearing that they want the most, because then they can hear every, because then you can, here's this guy, what does he hear? He hears the shuffling. He hears the crowd, you know. We're watching a TV show where everybody in the show is blind, you know. See, yeah, and and you you know they're and and they're fighting and doing. It was great acting because the bunch of sight people acting like blind people was pretty cool. It was pretty impressive. But the thing is, is what they could hear. And one of the scenes, the, the they go, how many heartbeats? I mean, could you imagine being able to hear that enough that you could distinguish a hundred heartbeats? And they and they did. Now I know it's TV, but it's the principle. The religious crowd's trying to silence him, and yet what is he doing? He's getting even louder. He, he, there's no quit in him. He knows who he's got to see. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Now, think about this. Jesus stood still since verse 32 and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, he has set his faith, and now he stops. He's been moving towards Jerusalem, and now he stops. It's significant. It's a, hey, look, kid, pay attention. 
to what's going on. Nothing had stopped him until here. Nothing, Peter didn't stop him. James and John didn't stop him. Nobody's, and the cry, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The passion of Bartimaeus that was in his voice, that same passion that's taking the Lord to the cross was what he heard in Barnabas and Bartimaeus' cry. And he stopped. And what does he say? They call, he says, and command, commanded him to be called. He, he, he stops. He says, hey, who is that? Notice it doesn't say, bring him to me. See that? What is a religious crowd? Be of good comfort. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. They didn't go help him up. He's a blind guy. He needs a stick out there. Wanting a, they, didn't have, they just said what? Be of good comfort. Be happy. Just, oh, but, but no, now watch that religious crowd. First they're trying to shut him down. Now they're like, hey, man, be happy. He called you. They're, they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They're not, they're not boom, set in one way. They just flow with the ebbs of what everybody wants, making everybody happy. That's what they're doing. If you come over to Hebrews 12, here's the picture. Hebrews 12. You see, he, by, by the way, in Mark there, he, what is he, the next verse, he cast away, he goes. He cast away his garment. They do nothing to help him. He cast it away. They're not, life isn't easy. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Now, here it is. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You see that? It's good to remember. <laughs> what is Bartimaeus doing? He's laying aside every weight. There's nothing holding him back. When, as soon as he got the word that, hey, he's calling for you, Bartimaeus, by the way, he knows, he's hurt, he knows where the Lord is, and what does he do? He cast away everything. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's the passion. There's the goal. But it's a lay aside every weight. What does he do back here in Mark 10, 50? And he cast away his garment, rose, and came to Jesus. He goes. But what did he do? He cast away his garment. He, there's nothing going to hold him back to get into the son of David. He's got one mind, one, vo one focus, one issue. N nothing, he's not, he's laying aside every weight. He's getting rid of that old garment that he has. And he's, he ain't clinging to nothing. 
He left his blind, the stick, he left it all. He just, boom, there he goes. Now think about James and John. When they came to the Lord, they were looking for a position, right hand, left hand. Peter, ambition, what do we get? That, that, the rich young ruler couldn't, he didn't sell it all because he had a lot to lose. The whole context in Mark 10 here has been the issue of forsaking all and following him. And here's a blind guy that does just that. He cast, he tossed his old garment aside and said, I'm going. And the, the, the more you have, the easier it is to get rid of. But when you when you're down to your last possession, getting rid of that isn't so easy. You know, when the kids moved out, Lynn and I, we started a year, two, three-year-long project of cleaning the house out, decluttering. And you get in there, and the next thing you know, you realize you got three of this and three of that, and it's like, do we need this? No, we haven't seen it in six, ten years. Out it go. You know what happened? The other day I go, hey, where was that? We go, we gave it away. I'm like, well, okay, I guess we got to go buy another one. And then we can't find it because of, you know, what the lady tell me, uh, supply chain issues. I'm like, no, just go away. Amazon had it. It's in the mail. It's, it's being shipped. <laughs> okay. So, but the thing is, is the more stuff you have, the easier it is to let stuff go. But, man, when you're down to nothing, you remember the widow's mite? Just boom, couldn't do it. But what does he do? 1050. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to. He gets up. Think about that. He's blind. He gets up. He's groping. I mean, he can hear. He has a general idea, but what's he doing? He's still feeling. He had to have faith. That's the point. He has the determination. He's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're like, Shh, quiet, quiet, quiet. You're, you're messing up the ambiance. You know? You'll get, he'll get to you. If he's got time, we'll schedule it in for the 5th of December tomorrow. You know? It's like, and he just gets louder. But now, Christ says, where, where is he? Calling. And the determination. Verse 51 and Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What do you want from me? Now watch his answer. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, that's, you would think that's a duh you know, that's, of course that's what he would say. He's blind. But again, James and John, they wanted seats of authority. They wanted something, a selfish ambition. But the Lord still asked. Obviously, the Lord would know that a blind man wants to see us get his sight. But the Lord still puts the responsibility of faith in the blind man's hands. What did he, what did he really know he needed? He doesn't say, I want a position in the kingdom. 
He doesn't say, I want reputation or wealth or riches. He says, I really need to be able to see you. And that's significant. Come over to Matthew 7. Just kind of remind ourselves here. Matthew 7. And verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What is your real need? That's what he's after. And in 10, chapter Mark 10, 51, my ne real need is I need my sight. Because I want to see you. <laughs> I want to enjoy you. You, the Messiah, the Son of David, that Messianic... My Redeemer, my Savior, my King, I want you. So 1051, the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And again, immediately. See, healing in the Bible, it's not like in the religious crowd. Okay? They are, in, healings, they're instant, they're immediately. There's no delay, and they are complete. There's no need, there's no second need, there's no come back for an adjustment later. It's done. And the reason it's that way in Scripture is because the healing program is a part of the sign program of Israel. And it's a confirmation of the teaching of the Word of God. The healing program is not to make life easier or get you out of trouble or do this or that, but rather it's to confirm what the Word of God has said. So he knows, I want my sight, and immediately his real need is met. Now, if you think about that issue of healing, um, let's see. Well, come over to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah 12. Zechariah is right in front of Malachi. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. The issue of their sight and getting their sight back is, 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 is one of the promises of God to Israel um, about when he's going to restore them. Zechariah 12.10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for me him, as one that mourneth for his only son and shall, be, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn in the day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem and off you go. You see that issue about looking upon? Spiritually, they're blind, which results in the physical blindness. Okay? So what in his restoring of Israel, pictured in Bartimaeus here in Mark 10, go back to Mark 10, in verse 52, and immediately he received his sight. 
Jesus says it at the word of Christ, what happened? He got his sight back. Again, the entrance of thy word giveth light. But why? Go thy way, thy what? Faith hath made thee whole. Now, come over to Luke 18, because this in Luke ends just a little different. Luke 18, Luke 18, verse 42. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith have saved thee. And immediately he received the sight and followed him, glorified God, and so forth. Again, salvation in Israel's program is primarily physical. And we've talked about that. It's not sim- the issue of being saved is not just simply their sins forgiven, but rather that issue of salvation, being rescued from destitute and harm, has that whole package of deliverance from the curse of sin into that literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom. So in Israel, it's Israel being made whole. That's the picture we're getting painted here. Restored back to that position of favor that God has for them. And it's, again, it's all connected to that restoration of the nation of Israel. So when we see here, come come back to Mark 10, when we see the whole the picture here, they're not looking at a, they're not looking at it like Ephesians two eight nine for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man they're not looking at it like that. When he says hey you you and you saved the from what physically being blind, but what got you there? The spiritual issue of faith. You remember Deuteronomy twenty eight. Remember that, the first 15, look over there, look, look, look at Deuteronomy 10, 20, Deuteronomy 28, <laughs> I'll get it out, Deuteronomy 28, if you look there at verse 1, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings And then there's just that list of blessings. So when they obey the word of God, i.e., they walk by faith, and what the word says for them to do, they're going to get what? The blessings. Verse 15, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So if you don't, do by faith what's coming the curses so because of their spiritual blindness then came what physical blindness the curse they rebelled against his covenant so we're go back to mark 10 so where do they sit they sit in blindness physically and spiritually in the picture here And he gets up, verse 52, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Again, Luke says, saved you, i.e., what? Made you whole. See, now you're able, now he's going to get up. I, I love the way it ends. And follow Jesus in the way. So 
he reverses the physical ailment because of the spiritual condition, okay? Then, the guy, then Bartimaeus gets up and follows him in the way. Now, in what way? Well, where is he going? He's going to Jerusalem to go to the cross. And the resurrection, he's going to go what? He's going to victory. And off we go. So that's what we begin to see here, is we begin to see this issue here of the victory for that little flock. In the face of, chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What is that little flock looking for? Luke 12, fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's 1232. So what do they do? Verse 33, go sell all they have and give alms and get on with the program. That's the response of the believing remnant. The believing remnant are, is the ones getting the kingdom. That's why the picture of Barnabas is that of the believing remnant. What are they doing? They're responding positively to the son of David, to there he is, the, and on they go. And what are they? They're going to follow him in the way. Remember when the Lord looks at him in, in, uh, in uh, James and John there in verse uh, thirty. Verse 38, but Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup. See, he's going to, he's going to the cup of the wrath, the baptism of death, the cross. They're going to go through it. They just start putting it together. Bartimaeus put it together. And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm with you now. And I'm going with you. And all evidence in Scripture is that he was there all the way to the end. And he never left. Now, you can't really prove all of that, but what is blind Bartimaeus? He's a picture of the nation and spiritual blindness and therefore physical blindness. But he believes and he has everything restored back, which is what the believing remnant is going to do, the little flock is going to do. Okay? Now, we'll start in chapter 11, because in chapter 11, we're going to go into the city of Jerusalem, and there's going to be a Hosanna in the highest cry. So we are literally a week out from Calvary going into chapter 11, okay? And because of that, uh, we'll, we'll uh, spend some time looking at all that, all right? Don't miss Blind Bartimaeus. It's a great little, I know there's songs out there and stuff about Blind Bartimaeus and everything, and they're wonderful songs, but really what's going on here in the song, okay? It's this picture of the believing remnant. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, and above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son, for all that you've given to us, and for everything that we have in you, we thank you for it. In your name we pray, amen.